Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We are going to be talking about drain tile management in the fall. I just was talking to a gentleman this morning and he had mentioned on their farm they had 75 foot tile spacing and he said, you know, everybody thought that was good. He said, my dad thought that was good. He goes, it's not good. We got to split every one of those things. And when we have split it, it's been a big deal. He said, you know, it started off 140 bushel corn turned into over 200 bushel corn almost immediately getting that tile in. And he said, now we're expecting to see a pretty nice jump getting those tile lines split too. And a lot to talk about here with excess water, but also insufficient amounts of oxygen. And that kind of is where that discussion was going this morning. How come we aren't seeing root hair development deeper than about six inches? And one of the reasons, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that and a lot of things that can be done to try to improve that. But if there is oxygen down deeper than that, you can get better microbial activity. You can have better nutrient availability. I mean, there's a lot of things that that can happen. But if your ground is full of water and doesn't have air, uh, you just aren't going to get the aerobic microbes to do their job. All right, Brian, I figured that's probably about the last minute I'm going to get speaking today when, when it comes to drain tile. I know you're super, super excited about it. Well, I'm really passionate about the whole drain tile thing just because back in 2007, the year that we bought our first tile plow, we had, let's call it roughly 35 fields we were farming. I don't remember exactly what it was. But anyway, we only had three we could farm straight through. Three. Three out of 35. And I, I just remember all the years of, so I got done with college in 1990. So I'd been on the farm and been an agronomist for 17 years. And I can't tell you how many times I got stuck, people on our farm got stuck, we had to pull things out, we had to go around wet holes, we eventually filled stuff in, then we had to replant. I mean, we, we never left an acre of prevent plant. We always got everything planted, but in some cases we literally had to go back out there three times. And that just gets old. And then to have terrible yield in those areas, too, it's like, oh, what did we do that for? Now, the main reason we did it was to keep weeds down. And also, what I always tell people is you always want to farm every acre if you can. Now, granted, I understand there are economics involved, and sometimes you're ahead economically to take prevent plant. But if your goal is, I want to put drain tile in here someday, even if it's 10 years from now, you want to farm those acres every single year so then NRCS or anybody else can't go back and say, well, you didn't farm in the past, so it must not be farmable ground or whatever. So anyway, we, we always got every acre done, even as painful as it was sometimes, planting in June a lot of times and even in early July a few times. So anyway, we start putting drain tile in and I, I mean, I knew right away it was going to help yield. But what I didn't understand is how much it would save us on erosion. I mean, there, it was dramatic, like night and day difference for erosion reduction. And then the other side of it was just the overall soil health. Because, and I don't know, I mean, I, I just didn't think about it that much. But when your ground gets flooded, what happens? Basically everything dies and you're starting all over again. And then you flood out again three years later or five years later, and you're starting all over again. And, oh, my goodness, that's just not fun. So now where we've put tile lines in and we're able to farm it all the time, farm it straight through, plant it early, 
get every acre in and get really good yields in a lot of cases, we're continuing to build that soil. And now you can see our organic matter levels are going up. And our soil health, when you look at it, is pretty awesome. Now, granted, I mean, there are a lot of other things we're doing besides just tile. But what I always tell people is every investment you make on the farm, if you don't have your drainage fixed first, then every one of those investments is not going to pay off as well. So I don't care what we're talking about. You're just flat out not going to make as much money with anything you do because it's all ruined by, and and we can say the words poor drainage, but Darren hit it well earlier. It's air management in the soil too. So it's just as much about air management as it is about water management. Because think about it. When, if you've ever taken an agronomy class, like literally day one, they will tell you, Ideal soil composition is roughly 50% dirt, and granted, part of that is organic matter and stuff. But anyway, roughly 50% dirt, 25% water, and 25% air. The air and the water should be about equal in your soil. Well, if they aren't, and it's all water and no air, that is not a good thing. You've killed off all the, I mean, any of the things that need air. So all those beneficial aerobic bacteria, fungi, anything else that's living in your soil, it's dead. And sure, there's some anaerobic things that can continue to live, but the aerobic stuff, dead. That's no fun. So anyway, that's the reason why I just, I I, I love drain tile so much. But yeah, I, I just, I didn't understand all the benefits to it when we started putting in tile because I was mainly just focused on, well, I want to farm stuff straight through and I want to get higher yields. Even the environmental benefits. I mean, it's massive. For your for your downstream neighbors, they're eventually going to have less water, which they like. And you might say, what? Here, they're going to have more water. No, think about it logically for just two seconds. It, now on our farm, we got a lot of fields, 250 bushel plus corn. Back then, before we started tiling, I'll, we had a lot of areas in fields that were under 100 bushels. So if I got 100 bushel corn versus 250, which one takes more water out of the ground? Okay, and how much more water does it take out of the ground? Like, it's a dramatic amount. So there there are some tile lines we put in in 2007. They don't even run anymore, and they are not plugged at all. It's just that our yields are so tremendous. We're sucking so much water out of there. It's amazing. But anyway, yeah, so what I'm talking about here is your downstream neighbors are going to have less water, to them eventually. And they're also going to have a lot cleaner water. There is dramatically less erosion. That's a proven fact when you put tile in the ground. And the water that does leave the field, it's not running off the soil surface anymore, carrying soil chemical fertilizer with it. It's going in the tile lines and filtering out. So now most of the time it's drinking water quality. That's fantastic. So anyway, we're going to talk about drain tile management in the fall. On today's show, if you've got any questions about that or anything going on in your farm, give us a call 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We're going to get to the phone lines right after this. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its corn head should be the same, especially when it costs you yield. Drago corn heads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears. Self-adjusting deck plates save kernels. Longer knife rollers reduce trash, and aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other corn head works like a Drago or pays you back like one. See more features and find your Drago dealer at dragotech.com. Pasture spraying season is upon us, and your spray window may be longer than you realize. 
Many weeds like musk thistle and Canada thistle are still able to be controlled after a few light frosts. If you've got some ground that's losing productivity to invasive weeds, turn to proven answers like Weedmaster and Burnmaster from New Farm. Go to newfarm.com forward slash US crop to learn more. It came on a night like any other, with power unlike anything else on Earth. Using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone, Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology, enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. listening to Ag PhD Radio. I can't believe it. We're talking about drain tile on the show and talking about fall management of drain tile. And Brian's even letting me talk today. It's He reached for the microphone, but he, he left it back. He's going to give me a shot to get a few words in <laughs> before he talks more about drain tile. Uh, but I'll tell you what, we got uh, phone lines open. We can have you talk a little bit about drain tile or any agronomic questions you have. It's 844 844- 44 ag phd uh start off with tim kilmer here with horsepower drainage tim i haven't spoken with you for a while how you doing very good so we're talking fall management here and it's one thing to get a drainage system put in but it's another one to keep it maintained and operating properly what are some of the things you'd advise growers to take a look at on their system just to to make sure it's ready to go heading into the winter and and ready to work for you into the coming year and one of the biggest things I'm, I've am i looked at, I've walked out to some older outlets and uh, rat guards, you know, a lot of the older rat guards were just standard, just regular metal and they rust out and rodents and animals are getting up into tile systems because those rust out and they're not functional. So a lot of people aren't, they're not looking at their outlets, they just, they're there. They don't think about them. Um, check your outlets. If you're burning your ditches, um, plastic outlets are a bad idea. You might want to put something metal on your outlet if you burn your ditches. Um, and on uh, your inlets, clear any debris if you've got any surface inlets. And uh, erosion by uh, on river banks if you've got any outlets on river banks. Um, flooding and stuff, right? you can change an outlet. You might want to put some riprap on them. Um, make sure those outlets haven't altered enough where it's going to affect how they perform. And um, The other thing is just look at your yield maps, and if you might want to split some, some systems down, you know, put in some more pipe, you know, and just get get ahead for next year. 
Yeah, you, you mentioned the yield maps, and I think that's a great comment. I also look at the satellite imagery, and sometimes you can notice some spots out there. And, and I know our dad was kind of optimistic in this way. He'd be like, well, we got some bad spots out there, and now we know where we got to fix. <laughs> and I'd rather I'd rather guess it right or uh, find it out down the road somewhere, but uh, I guess you got to lose yield once at least to figure it out in those spots that, hey, it, it didn't turn out as well. This might be something to investigate. You know, when you think about uh, – uh, tiling prices and and the, the opportunity to make more bushels man with today's prices of crops we get a great shot to have a really good return on investment here with tile there's a lot of uh, a lot of growers are calling me up and asking me to reevaluate some things with them and right now it's yeah it's, it's a droughty time but it's it's also a great time i mean it's Right now, tiling, when you, you dig a start hole and the holes aren't filling up with water, I mean, fracturing of the ground, you're putting the tile in, it's, it's actually a fantastic time to put in tile. It may not be in the front of your mind, but, you know, you're not dealing with a water issue in a lot of the Midwest right now, but it's, it's really, um, that can change so quickly. So it's, it's not something that, that you should put on the back burner. You know, you, you mentioned uh, during dry weather, it's a good time to do it. And I, I just think about it this way, too. There's no initial flush. It's not like, hey, we got a pond up here in this field and it's just full of water. And when we put the tile on it, it's going to be running like crazy. And uh, in a drought, it's the opposite. It's, well, hey, it's dry here. We're going to put the tile on it. It's probably not even going to run at all. And that's pretty good to get along with neighbors that way when nah, there's no no initial flush coming out of the field. Yeah, I, from a standpoint of, of getting through some of the worst spots and stuff, I mean, if you've got to go, um, you got to deal with talking with neighbors and stuff. It's also a time where the, the emotions aren't high right now. You know, when the water's not there putting pressure on people, it's a good time to talk when emotions aren't high and heads are level and everybody can just sit down and have a nice, good talk talk about it. And yeah, absolutely. The you gotta, emotion. You got to go through a corner of a field and everybody's going to have a nice attitude about it right now. Yeah, you're right. Taking a lot of that, that negative emotion out. That's awesome. Well, Tim, great to hear from you and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you. Bet. I got Bruce Van Dyken on with Vissen Van Dyken Drainage right now. Uh, Bruce, how you doing? Doing great. What a fall to get some work done out in the field. This weather's been fantastic for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we haven't we haven't uh, had it. Where we need a we need some rains. So we can do some billouts. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Talk Either to us about that. Late evenings. <laughs> talk to us about this. I mean, when it's not raining and it's not snowing and the weather's still good, I think almost everybody thinks the snow's never coming. So you're probably still adding more jobs to the to the list. I'm betting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You get guys. Um, you always get guys every year that. Um, who call from the combine basically and say, Hey, can you get here this year? Um, <laughs> so it's interesting how, uh, um, the, uh, probably a lot, the yield monitors and, and as they travel through the field, they can see spots that, Oh yeah, this could use some that needs a little help. And yep. Uh, guys are, guys are still calling. 
you know, when you get this drought condition uh, that's out in many of these fields, does it make it harder to do tile? Does it change anything with how you do things? Um, makes things a lot easier. Um, the the only thing maybe is uh, it might pull a little harder uh, with the ground being a, a little harder uh, because it's so dry. Um, but um, otherwise, everything goes a lot smoother. Uh, an inch of rain actually do us a favor right now. It kind of mellow things out a little bit as far as the hard on the top. Um, certainly wouldn't slow us up. Um, but, no, it, it goes great here in this warm, warm, dry weather. Uh, good good conditions, too, for uh, putting tile in as far as uh, bedding the tile and stuff, too. It, uh, it, just, it just sits in there better rather than getting smeared or, or uh, squashed. Or, I mean, it just, it's just uh, a, a lot better condition. Nice to have loose dirt falling in around your tile. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's it's a good time to do it. And we think about tile lasting a generation or more in the ground when you can get it in like this in virtually ideal conditions. Uh, you can't can't ask for much better than that. Uh, when it comes to fall maintenance, Bruce. Uh, I know when tile lines have it run all year, and in some cases have it run for a couple of years, uh, you probably aren't thinking about, man, I got to go check those tile lines. But uh, it's certainly something I know we we like to make sure we're out there in the fall when we still have some time. If if there's anything that we screwed up during the year or an animal got to or whatnot, what are you seeing out there? I guess you got called on a bunch of fix up jobs too. Um, and not so much. No, and if we do, we we tend to try to push them off a little bit. I know people don't like digging in the crop and stuff, but I, I, uh, I have a hard time stopping to do a day's worth of digging around and investigating stuff unless we're right in the field working there. Um, I, I don't like to spend a whole lot of time doing fix-it-up jobs when we're, we really should be installing tile. Um, but, yeah, it's a good time to do it yet, especially if you can catch something in the spring. You know, a lot of these guys have... Um, have uh, monitors in their in their uh, planters and everything where they can just drop a point right on the field and they can they can mark areas that are wet or areas where they think they might have a problem. That's a great time to do that. Then if you get to it then or if you have to come back later in the summer or even the fall, you got that you got that spot marked already. Yeah, you always feel like, oh yeah, I'll remember that spot, or I'll I'll come back on there later oh, yeah. this year. But man, if you see it, you got to mark it right now because uh, conditions yeah. can change fast. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, Bruce, I know you guys are super busy. Uh, I've talked to other contractors this fall too, and they said, man, you just wouldn't believe it. We're gonna have to work twenty four seven to try and get all this done. So stay safe out there. Really appreciate what you do. Very good. Thank you, guys. You bet. Talking about drain tile and drain tile management in the fall. And we're also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. When nematode pressure mounts, seed-applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. newfarm.com forward slash top grower. 
Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. If we only had 20 words to talk about Ag Biome, we would say we are agricultural innovators focused on unlocking the power of the microbial world to deliver unique, effective crop protection solutions. If we only had five words, we'd say learn more at agbiome.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're, we're inside the studio, but our hearts are out in the field doing some tiling work and just reminiscing and talking a little bit about our experience with drainage tile. We are taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We're going to jump over on the phone now over to Jeremy Miners with Agrum uh, to talk a little bit about drainage tile. How you doing, Jeremy? Doing great. Great to be on the phone with you guys uh, again. It's been a been a little while. I know it. I know it. And well, I I got to be careful, Jeremy, because if I open up the topic of drain tile, Brian takes all the show, and so it's hard for me to get a word <laughs> in edgewise. He's so excited about this topic, and I know you are too. Oh, absolutely. I, Brian and I think a lot alike. <laughs> All right, so you get a lot of questions about tile, and, and certainly, uh, well, I know for us, we've been really dry this year. We really haven't seen the tile running, uh, but there's certainly some maintenance issues that come up. There's a lot of things guys need to think about. We're going to freeze in the, in the northern part of the country here, and uh, what are some of those fall maintenance-type things that you guys talk about, and then what are some of the current issues going on? Oh, that, that's a good question. So, um 
when it when it comes to drain tile, and uh, I know Tim and Bruce had talked a little bit about this beforehand, but yeah, check your outlets. Make sure everything is running right, and take a take a view to see if there's any type of discoloration in the water that's coming out of it. Uh, if you see that there's soil coming through, you might have a tile hole uh, where there, there's a break in the system and uh, it, it's starting to suck out dirt. Uh, this could be a severe problem in the future. Um, and also, if you notice anything that's like a reddish color, uh, that might be a sign of iron ochre, and uh, there might ha- you might need to do some remedial steps on that regard. Talk to, when us, it comes to, talk to us a little bit about a, hey Jeremy, talk to us about that just a little bit because I, I know we've talked about it a little bit on the show, not a whole lot, uh, but I know we've had a few guys. Hey, our area has this more often uh, than other areas. Do you see it all over, or are there some common things that if, hey, if your soil has this, you probably want to watch out for it? Right, right. So uh, d- just. So your listeners know uh, exactly what I'm talking about. Iron ochre or red ochre is a bacteria that uh, lives in certain soils that uh, will combine water, oxygen, and iron. And it will originally start forming as kind of a gel. And then over time, it will crystallize, uh, clogging the the pores of your uh, drainage tile. Now, when it comes to this type of issue... Iron ochre does have a tendency to be in grounds that tend to be uh, muck or peat or low grounds with high levels of organic material. So if if you are in a situation where some of your field is going to be those types of soils, it's always good to uh, you know have a look at say some of the pre-existing tile that's in your area with certain the similar soils, see if there's any type of reddish color that comes out of it or any type of buildup. And if that is the case, uh, it's best at the very beginning to design for this type of situation. Uh, And the best solution for it is what is called controlled drainage, where uh, you're able to block your system and then have the tile full of water during most of the time of the year, where the bacteria won't be able to live in your tile because it does require oxygen, water, and iron. If you get rid of the oxygen when the tile's full, it won't grow there. Very interesting. And and we talk about just tiling in general, that if our soils are plumb full of water, we, we aren't going to have much for aerobic bacteria working in our favor. But the bad guys also need the air. So sometimes you might have to might have to hold them out too. That's that's interesting stuff. Uh, we're, we're talking with Jeremy Miners here with Agrum. Uh, Jeremy, I guess uh, any current issues that you're working on right now? Uh, well, it's, it's busy. <laughs> this is definitely a busy yeah. year. Uh, but I actually, if it's, if it's not a problem with you guys, I want to get back to that uh, topic in terms of, uh, the soil not having oxygen. I, when Brian brought that up, uh, at the beginning of the show, I found that so spot on. Uh, I had an old friend in the drainage industry that said a wet soil is a dead soil. And the longer that you have water sitting in that soil, if it sits there for weeks on end, it's not going to be able to produce and it leads to our issue in the drainage industry of the first year being the worst year. So, uh, you know, our, our rhymes are uh, heavy today from Agrum, (laughs) but, uh, the, uh, the, the really being able to add oxygen to that tile or through that tile to your soil, uh, by getting rid of that excess water is such a key factor for the, uh, long-term productivity of that soil itself and for the farm. 
you know, you make you make fun of uh, some of these rhyming things, but they they're kind of rooted in a little bit of truth here too, with with what's going on out in the field for sure. Definitely, definitely, and uh, we've actually uh, here at Agram since we design all over the place, we've we've been noticing that there's been more and more design work for us out in the western states where precipitation rates are you know 10 to 20 inches per year. These are areas that we traditionally have never thought of as being really a good market for drainage tile. However, they have the same issues we do when they do get their rains, that water just sits there for a long time because it doesn't have a drainage path. And being able to uh, be able to drain that soil, uh, it just improves the soil over time. And they're seeing productivity, even though they're not looking for that quick drain like a lot of us in the Midwest are looking for. It's just being able to get that soil and improve that soil health. It's kind of interesting, too, that a lot of folks that want to talk about drainage and, and regulation and so forth, they don't talk about railroads that went up and roads that went up, and they were they cut off our drainage in many cases. So in, in, in a lot of cases, we've got to work around those things now to, to get things back to uh, how they're probably initially designed to be in the beginning. But we got to work on drainage tile. It's a busy time of year, like you mentioned, getting a lot of new systems in, but uh, also maintaining the ones that are out there. And Jeremy, good talking to you here again. Thank you so much for being on. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Bet you as well. Let's head, uh, speak of an area that the drainage has been a little bit of a challenge. Got our friend Cliff up in North Dakota on. How you doing, Cliff? I'm doing just fine. And I'll tell you in a short story how you can appreciate a second blizzard. Okay. The second blizzard brought us moisture in the form of wet snow and rain. And the thawing of the ground worked with the thawing of the snow and the rain. It gave us eight foot of soil moisture, which gave us a crop this year. We didn't get hardly any rain in July or August, and it finished the crop that we did get, which is a pretty fair crop and a pretty fair price. Those two combinations don't come together too often, but that second blizzard is what brought us the crop we got. You bet. And being able to get into those fields timely when you've got a season like this, like you mentioned, no rain in July and August. Uh, if you're getting a crop in late, you're in big trouble. But if you got a crop in early that's far enough along, you could be in good shape. So uh, I can imagine uh, fields that you've got good drainage in probably standing out this year too. Yes, they are. The fields that uh, we got in first with early seeded barley happened to be the field that we first tiled with hefties. And the barley that we took off was over 100 bushels a acre. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's fun when you get price and yield. Like you said, it doesn't happen a whole lot. So we got to celebrate when it does. Um, you know, when you think about it, we get root systems that get down a little bit deeper. They got more air to play with. So to me, uh, I'm, I'm happy you had the soil moisture. But even so, some people are worried about that. Oh, we're going to get rid of all our soil moisture. No, we're not. We're just just getting rid of any excess so we still have some air in the soil. Very true. And another thing that I see happening, and you mentioned something about the uh, roads and railroads that are one-mile dikes in certain areas. Those one-mile dikes increase the 
water in those roads. And when that water comes down and out into the field, it surfaces 60 to 80 feet out, parallel to the railroad, parallel to a lot of roads. That's where the water evaporates. The salt builds up. And we put in tile lines 20 feet apart five years ago. And this year we had a crop all the way across the 80 feet. That's pretty cool. And and the salt is another thing. Cliff, if you got just a minute, we'd hang you on through the break here. I'd like to talk just a little bit more about some of the salt things going on as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now, you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. Compromise is nice, if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. We 
talking drain tile management in the fall here on Ag PhD Radio and taking your calls and questions in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Just before the break, Cliff up in North Dakota was making a great point, and we kind of ran out of time there. Cliff, you're talking about uh, like what you've noticed where, where a railroad comes in, you see uh, a reaction out in the field 60 to 80 feet out. You want to talk about that one more time and then talk just a little bit about salt too if you if you got a minute. Sure. I, I guess the thing that, you know, a lot of railroads are what brought agriculture to North Dakota. And like in the Russell area, it was 1905. And they put the railroads in and the towns were built around them, but they really didn't take care of the land when they built the railroads. They didn't put the culverts in and they didn't put the approaches in the right spot and culverts through the approaches. So they created a lot of dikes. Now here's one thing that I learned through what you'd call the University of Hard Knocks. If you have a five foot contour elevation and it goes through the railroad and there's no culvert there, it's an issue that you can bring up to the railroad because under Century Code in North Dakota, they are supposed to provide that culvert there to allow the water to naturally flow. So this is one of the things that they didn't do in a lot of areas. So if you're having a problem with the railroad, that's one of the things to look at to see if you can talk nicely to them. Good point. Talking nicely always helps. No, no doubt about that. You know this uh, the salt issue that you had mentioned. When you see uh, the water problem getting pushed out about sixty or eighty feet from the rail, I, I know exactly what you're talking about there. And the buildup of salt when you can't get it to naturally move down through soil is a real challenge. Have you found anything else that works, Cliff, or is drain tile the only solution? Well, there's a combination that even works better. If you can have surface drainage to reduce that standing water in the railroad ditch, like we have the Gessner drain right south of our farm. And so I worked with the railroad to take out the high spots and put in the approaches with culverts to facilitate the water movement in their ditch so it wouldn't end up coming out in our field. So when you have the water in the ditch and the high railroad, you have two elements that bring excess water to your field and that brings the salt with it. Now, the thing that I have noticed is that when we have good rains, normal rains, our soil tiling actually works much better. When you don't get the rain, your tiling doesn't work as well. Yep, lots of facts there. And Cliff, you you just were born a drainage expert, or did School of Hard Knocks teach you all this stuff? I had a super, super good instructor. His name was Bill Bowman. He was from the Soil Conservation Service out of West Oak, North Dakota. He taught us how to move water and how to do it with the help of your neighbors, construct assessment districts, and the first legal drain in the state of North Dakota wasn't in the Red River Valley. It was in Botno, North Dakota. It huh. was the Gessner drain in 1905. Wow. 
if our fathers and grandfathers can figure it out, maybe we should be able to figure it out too. Yeah, a lot of common sense went into finding those solutions, no doubt about that. Well, Cliff, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today. Glad to hear that that uh, you salvaged some good crops out of a very dry end to the summer. Yes, we did. And we got an inch of rain last night, so hallelujah, maybe we'll get some more. And uh, as they say, rain makes grain. No, grain makes rain. Thank you very much. <laughs> you bet. Thanks a lot, Cliff. We really appreciate it. Brent, Cliff brought up a number of things there, and and you think about it, if we can start with some water and our soils can bank some water in the spring and we've got a good balance of, of water and air, man, we we get a great shot to make some crop here. We don't need a whole lot in season and heavy ground if, if we can start with some in the soil. In heavy ground, yes. Yep, yep, that's right. But you need some. And this is one of the things, too, when sometimes we talk about how little rainfall we get here on our own farm and people down south are like, how can you even raise a crop on that little rain? Well, keep in mind two things. Number one, we have a lot cooler temperatures. And number two, for whatever reason, we are really humid in the summer. In July and August, on average, we're more humid than Miami, Florida, right here on our farm. I don't, like I say, I don't know exactly why. Maybe it's because of all the corn and soybeans. I'm not sure. But all I know is we've got humidity. When you go even 100 miles west of us, they have just that much less humidity. And so even if they get the same rainfall, they're not going to have the same kind of yields. The other thing when I wanted, that I wanted to bring up today with this whole tiling discussion is we talk to a lot of people that say, oh, I don't need tile out here. And I want to hold as much moisture as I can so I can save it for later for when it gets dry. Well, Here's the thing. All you're saving is, well, I let, let me rephrase this. When you have a really high water table, that's a massive problem because now your roots don't go deep. And a lot of people think, oh, roots don't go deep till later in the season, whatever. No, roots can go deep immediately. We, we've been able to, in, in well-drained ground, and not where we have lots of compaction or anything, but we've been able to find roots that are a couple feet deep, just not all that long after we planted even. It's crazy. Well, if you don't get deep roots and get them early, then you're going to dry out later in the summer, almost no matter what you do. So you want to get those roots going deep and fast. That's a big key if you're in a drought area. But what I often tell people is, look, all the only water that a tile line is going to take away is what I call the toxic water. And when you hear that, you're going to think, oh, my goodness, I knew it was polluted. No, it's not poison water or polluted or anything else. But the point is this. Water, excess water kills. So water's lethal to you and me if we have too much, and water's definitely lethal to our crop if it has too much. And to everything that's alive in, well, I shouldn't say everything, every aerobic thing that's alive in your soil, excess water's lethal to that. That's the stuff that your tile line gets rid of. You're still at soil capacity, field capacity, they say, for water when the tile line works its magic and lowers the water table. There's, and in heavy soil, that's a lot of water in every foot of soil. So anyway, with tile, we just really encourage you, if you don't understand it very well, 
one of the big things is learning about the environmental benefits of it and all the pushback that some people could potentially give you because from what I found, that pushback is usually based not on facts. Once you learn the facts about what tile does, instead of listening to people that say, oh, it's going to flood me out or, oh, it's going to pollute stuff and it's leading to more drainage problems. I'm like, what are you talking about? None of that is true. The water's cleaner. There's less erosion. There's less flooding. It's amazing. The only thing I will say that could make tile worse than not tiling is inlets. I'm just not a fan of inlets. Now, granted, certain situations, it's just fine. So let me explain this a little bit. When you have a riser, an inlet that goes right to the soil surface, and it can take water as soon as it rains, that can be a problem because now you can get chemical, fertilizer, soil all going down into your tile line. Now, it's no big deal if it outlets, like for us, we have a couple of these inlets and we outlet into a grass waterway and then it eventually goes into a stock dam or something like that. Well, I mean, just even washing over the soil surface over grass for a quarter mile or a mile or two miles, whatever, that's going to clean the water out too. So, I mean, there are ways to handle this, but what I'm saying is if you have an inlet that goes directly to a water course, like a river or something, um, yeah, that's that that could be concerning for me. So instead, what we like to do in those areas, potholes or whatever, is put a whole bunch of tile lines relatively shallow, and that usually solves the problem in a much more environmentally friendly way. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. 
Applying fallen hydras, you know the challenges. Too warm, too wet, too cold. Hi, I'm Greg Souter with 360 Yield Center. I've shifted my nitrogen application to spring and summer. By applying my base of N with the planter, I'm putting it near the seed right before the plant needs it. Then I wide drop at V10 and apply exactly what the crop needs. Don't push an application window and risk losing your nitrogen. Learn more about a base plus nitrogen strategy at 360yieldcenter.com. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gainground. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We have reached the Ag PhD Mailbag time. It's your calls, your questions throughout the rest of the show. Phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can email us, radio at agphd.com. It's exactly what Dan did. He said, all right, guys. I'm curious to see what you guys recommend in these soil tests. So they are cation exchange capacity anywhere from 10 to almost 30. So some lighter soil, uh, medium to light soil, some fairly heavy soil. We got sodium base saturation percentages 10 plus. We got potassium base saturation, a lot of 10 plus. Uh, we got really high phosphorus got high sulfur, got high soluble salts. Looks to me, Brian, my suspicion is we've got irrigation and we've got a lot of manure. Yeah. So did he say where he's from? No, but up at the very top. He tried to cut off uh, where he was from, and I see California. Looks like, on. Yeah, it does look like California. I can't tell for sure because that could also so be Dan, Georgia. So, Dan, future tests, if you kind of give California. us a little background, that helps too, just to, yes. to do the best we can. Because say that it is irrigation and you've got really high sodium water, that's one thing. Say that it just came from manure applications or compost applications, something like that, then that's that's a little different. Yeah, when I look at this, I mean, I... Everything's I, I, high except manganese, iron, and boron. Other than that, everything is well, pretty high. Well, yeah, the calcium is not, like, super high. I mean, there's a lot of magnesium true, true, true. for the amount of calcium that's there. So that's one of the things. we got to get some more calcium out there. So if it's me, I'm putting gypsum out for sure. And I realize there's already a bunch of sulfur there, but there's not enough sulfur there to flush our sodium out yet. And... So first thing I'm doing is making sure I have fantastic drainage, especially where I've got 20 plus 30, whatever, CEC. But yeah, I mean, where you have the 30 CEC, you got 17.5% sodium, that soil's almost dead. Um, whatever is getting the sodium out there, we have to stop. So no more manure for the next decade, no more irrigation water for the next decade, unless we can fix the irrigation water. So by treatment or preferably if we can get deeper water or, or find water deeper and that's better quality. But all I know is there's just, there's so much sodium there. I, I mean, I, I, I feel for you because this is, this is not a good situation at all. Um, 
if you so first thing is we got to fix drainage. Second thing is we got to stop putting all forms of sodium out there. No more, like literally none. No more sodium. Can't have any more. We're already in in just tremendous excess. And then the third thing is we got to try to figure out how we flush that sodium out. So that's where I say uh, I'd get some gypsum out to get my calcium. So that's that's the first thing I'm going to do. And then I may consider adding some elemental sulfur too once I've got my my drainage fixed. But it's going to take it's it's going to take decades to get this under control and get it back down to where we want, which is one or maybe two percent sodium. So. Like I say, I, I I feel for you in that respect because this is a this is a, this is a problem, and then in terms of like potassium, we're we're in excess in several of these spots. You get seventeen percent, you got fifteen percent, so no more potassium, like literally none. Can't put any on for a while because right now you're you're going to be hurting uptake on some of the micronutrients and and just flat out hurting your crop. It's too much. It's just too much. Uh, let's see beyond that. Just looking at some of the other stuff. I, I mean, yeah, those are those are probably my biggest concerns. I would say this: you're going to have some micronutrient issues, and so, like manganese, for example, it's going to be tremendously expensive if you wanted to fix the whole soil because you're only at 11 parts per million. But so, what I would consider is maybe doing some banding on some micros, foliar feeding, that kind of thing, just to make sure that that's getting in. But when you start getting way up there on potassium and your magnesium's high, your sodium's really high, um, we just worry about some nutrients getting into that plant. Okay, so I just wanted to look at, yeah, I, I mean, phosphorus is super high, potassium's super high. And so th- th- there is a, a silver lining to all this that... I mean, some of these other nutrients are so high, you are going to have to spend a lot of money on fertility for a while. But anyway, that I, I guess that's just my advice. So, and you may say, well, I'm still getting a halfway decent crop out there. You might be today, but you're not going to be in the future if the sodium keeps getting put on the field. So, I'm I'm serious. You got to you got to find a way to stop putting sodium out there and potassium. Otherwise. I mean, things are going to get ugly eventually. Oh, let me, I'll just tell you one quick story. So this is about, I don't know, three, four years ago, three, three, probably at a soils clinic we were doing. Lady walks up afterwards. She's literally crying because she's looking at her soil tests and hands them to me. And she had 33 or 35% sodium in soil. And literally the soil was so hard. She couldn't even get a tillage tool into the soil. It's that bad. And it's ground that she had farmed or she had, just started farming not all that long ago that her grandpa had had for his entire life. And so my point is, you may say, well, I only have five years left to farm or whatever. I have no idea what your situation is, but I'm just saying, I I mean, we can all pass the buck and pass the problem off to the next generation, or we can say, you know what, it's going to cost me some money, but I don't care. I want my ground in better shape for the next generation. All I can tell you is if if it was ground that I got and I saw 17% sodium out there, um, I'd, I'd just, I'd, I'd be really scared. I, I really would. I'd be scared to farm it. I, I would, if I looked at the soil test, I'd say, yeah, I'm not going to farm that ground. I just, it's too much risk for me. Yeah, it's not a cheap fix. Not a cheap fix. There, there are some good things out there too, though, but... But yep, gotta gotta stop the bleeding right away. All right, I uh, got a question that came in yesterday from Caleb over in Wisconsin about putting 
calcium in the strip till. And he had a couple of follow-up questions. He said, first of all, I guess just for some more context, over the past three years, I have been spreading high calcium lime broadcast according to One Acre Grids to get my base saturation of calcium all the way up to 68% on average. Now, I'm wondering, is there a better way to maintain plant-available calcium than just throwing a little bit in the band to feed that year's crop? I'm, I'm just thinking... And my calcium at that 68% okay. still isn't super available. Oh, no. well, I, I don't I don't understand why it wouldn't be super available. Plus, he just said he's put stuff on for the last three years. That scares me a lot also. We've, been, we've had drought for two and a half years in our region of the country. So is the lime you put out three years ago fully broken down? I'll almost guarantee you it's not. And I'll promise you the stuff you put out the last two years is not fully broken down. So before we go overboard on calcium, which we have done on our farm and screwed it up, I'm trying to save you the misery that we've gone through from messing it up. So I just let her sit. I wouldn't do a thing. And sometimes too, people will talk about high calcium soils and so, yes, if you've got a low-calcium soil, adding calcium is going to make stuff more available, obviously. But in a high-calcium, like 90% calcium, sometimes elemental sulfur can make the calcium more available So, or sulfur of some form. So, I mean, just something I'm throwing out there. Okay, so here's another thing. He said he's been putting on some elemental sulfur, and that was part of the question, too, using 50 to 100 pounds of Pell lime is what he was talking about doing, but he was also talking about putting a little bit of elemental sulfur uh, raising 270, 300 bushel corn, 70 to 90 bushel beans. So we're in a real high yield environment. Yep. But he said where he's done some elemental sulfur, he's dropped the pH from 6.3 to 6.5 down into the 5.5 to 5.7 range in the strip. Should he be concerned about that low a pH? What is that pH normally oh, with so, the root zone? Anyway, so, isn't there some acidity around the roots to sorry, begin with? So are you saying he put elemental sulfur in the zone? Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, so. we got a few things going on here. I mean, obviously, you get a high <laughs> yield level, so it's not like it's simple, like, oh, yeah, I just throw a seed in the ground and get 300 bushel corn in Wisconsin. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot okay. of management well, there. All right. Well, I, I guess, and maybe I missed that from, from the question from yesterday with elemental sulfur. So, yes, if you've artificially lowered the pH in excess, then just... You can put a little bit out there, but just be really careful. Don't We just don't want you overdoing it because it's easy to tie up nutrients. It's easy to get the pH too high. So just go with a really low rate if you've been putting elemental sulfur in the band. All right, yeah, lots of stuff going on there. It's quite a, quite a program. I know we've seen a number of your soil tests too, Caleb. So uh, I guess if we, we need to spend a little more time talking about a specific field or something like that, we sure can. Thanks for the questions today, and thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.